Guys, this is the Read and Rant. For those of you who are here for the first time, every morning we spend time in the reading of Scripture. Um, We read for about 20 to 30 minutes, and afterwards we engage in a time of reflection and meditation. We read the scriptures for meditational purposes, so we're reading it essentially to simply engage with God. So this isn't a Bible study, it isn't a devotion where we just read a small portion of scripture and just meditate through that portion of scripture, and while there is a place for that, the purpose of what we do here is to engage in larger portions of text, to hear from God and to hear what God has to say uh, concerning us, concerning himself and concerning his people um, for this time and in this day. And so uh, we do this every weekday morning from 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to 830 And then afterwards, I rant for as long as the Lord affords me. So this is our time. This is our time to engage. And so if you are here for the first time, we've gone now through, um, or if you've been here in and out and you're not sure like what this is, and maybe you've come in and out and you're not sure. Okay, we've been doing this now for for nine weeks. And we've gone through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, and now we are reading 2 Thessalonians. Guys, We've gone through a lot of Bible with just half a Netflix episode every day, half a Netflix episode every weekday. And look at how much scripture we can get through. Look at how much uh, Bible we can get through. And this is for the sake of empowering you. And so uh, I want to quickly shout you guys out. It's so good to see you all. Man, I got the whole family here today. I got the whole family to here today, man. This is a birthday. Thank you. Katusha, thank you so much, guys. Oh, wow. Virginia Beach in the house. New Jersey in the house. We got North Carolina in the house. We got Toronto in the house. We got Maryland. We got Charleston. We got Fort Lauderdale. We got Atlanta. We've got uh, Roanoke, Virginia, Cincinnati, Ohio, Beaverton, Oregon. We've got Arlington, Texas. We got Portugal in the house. We've got Washington, D.C. in the house. We got Ohio, Bobby from Ohio. Good to see you, Bobby. We've got PG County, Maryland in the house. Good to see you, Sherry. We got Cincinnati, Ohio. We've got Maryland. We've got Uganda. We've got Colorado, Black Mountain, North Carolina. Guys, this is amazing. We've got Long Island, New York, Michigan, Jamaica. We've got Uganda, East Africa in the house. Man, we got Gainesville, Florida in the house. God bless you, Gainesville. We got Cocoa Beach, Florida. We've got South Africa. We've got Johannesburg in the house. Guys, we've got the we've got a reflection of the whole world. We're seeing the whole tapestry of God's people right here coming together to engage. We got Andrea from Portugal. We've got North Carolina. We've got Miami. Guys, we got the whole world in our hands. I am excited, guys. Um, I have nothing planned today. Okay, I've got nothing planned. We're just going to read the word and then we'll see where the Lord leads us. We're going to read the word and then um, we're going to engage. And before we pray, this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray along with me. And this is what I want you to be praying into. What I want you to be praying into is, is I want you to pray into three questions. Is, is, is what is God revealing concerning himself? Um, What is God revealing concerning himself? What is God revealing concerning people? Um, What is God revealing concerning his people? Um, And then the third question is, what is God revealing concerning me? Now, not me, Isaac, but you. 
Um, what is God revealing concerning you? Because the scriptures are to discern your thoughts and intentions. So the scriptures are exegeting you as you are exegeting the scriptures. And so this is what we want to do. We want to engage in the word of God to hear what God has to say. And if time affords us, um, we'll spend some time. We'll close out in prayer. But let's prayerfully open and let's get right into it. We're going to be reading from Second Thessalonians, guys. So I got nothing planned. Um, we're just going to go where the Lord leads um, and see what happens. Okay, we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe God will surprise us this morning. He's already here. He's already here. How do we know that? Um, he's already here. How do we know that? We know that because he is the discerner of our thoughts and intentions. We know that because the scriptures tell us that where two or three are gathered in his name, he is also in the midst. And so we want the Lord to um, reveal to us the truth of his word, to convict us. And he's present with us right now to speak to us. So Holy Spirit, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would um, have your way this morning. Lord, talk to us as we engage in your scripture. Um, talk to us as we engage in your word. Do not let us just read the letters. But Father, we pray that, Lord, you would reveal the truth of your gospel by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, speak to us today. Lord, give us a word. Lord, that would convict us, that would correct us, that would encourage us, that would empower us as we uh, navigate through this day and throughout this week. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. Let's read Second Corinthians, uh, sorry, Second Thessalonians 1. And I'll read and you guys can read along with me. It's not a long book. It's not a long book. <clears throat> and it says this in verse one, Paul, Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you in peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, brethren, 
concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who who perish because they did not receive the love of truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give God to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through the sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth hmm. to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught whether by word or our epistle. Now, may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Chapter 3. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge but worked with labor and toil day and night, yet we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will work, sorry, uh, verse 10, 
For even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they walk, that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Hmm. As for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now may the Lord, sorry, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is a sign in every epistle, so I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Speak to us this morning, Lord. Speak to us this morning, Lord. I always enjoy these times that we spend here. And the reason why um, I enjoy this time is because it's a little bit different than what, especially as a pastor and somebody who preaches the word and preaches the gospel on a weekly basis, we tend to prepare the food for the church. We tend to prepare the food for the church. And sometimes in spending so much time preparing for the, the food for the church, we don't sit and eat the food for ourselves. And part of the reason why I enjoy this time that I get to spend with you all um, on TikTok and on Facebook Live, part of the reason why I enjoy this time is because I get to eat the food with you. And the other thing that I love about this time is, is I'm, I don't have anything prepared. So the food is being prepared for me and for you. And we're just sitting down and we're partaking in the food together. I love that. I love that. I, I truly enjoy that, that I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm waiting for God to tell me what he wants me to see. And as I'm reading it, I begin to feel the incredible presence of God. Um, this presence and the Lord begins to speak and the word comes alive. It just comes alive. It's just, it's this incredible thing that we get to uh, uh, just, just get to partake in. Um, hey, Cougar Town. Yes, if there's anyone, just tag them for me. We'll just block them. We'll just block them if we have to. Um, you notice I'm not phased by, by, by sometimes I'm so into what I'm saying that I'm not even phased by what's happening in the chat. Um, but as I read this scripture, I, I want to give you guys a little bit of context here so you understand where I'm going today. Um, because this is so powerful. and I think it's so necessary for us today what the Lord has to say. 
so necessary. Um, for anyone who's a believer who's watching this, this is so necessary for you. What what this what this letter reveals, and what Paul is is writing this letter concerning. You have to understand these are as we talked about before. These are uh, baby Christians. Adolescent Christians, some adolescent, most baby, they came new to the faith, right? This is um, what we saw in, in Acts chapter 17, when we read Acts, Acts chapter 17, where Paul goes into Thessalonica and he begins to reason with the Jews and all of a sudden this movement becomes his birth and Paul goes to Areopagus and he, 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 he gives one of the greatest apologetic sermons for the gospel of Jesus Christ in Areopagus. And after he gives that apologetic sermon, that's in Acts chapter 17, if you ever feel like it, go back to it again in Acts chapter 17. And then after he's, he's given this, this, um, Oh, um, this this dissertation, this presentation. Um, Paul doesn't stay for very long. Paul doesn't stay for very long. As a matter of fact, um, the next chapter tells us that he leaves and goes off to Athens. So Paul did not stay for long in Thessalonica. And yet there was this revival movement that brought many people together. Gary, we're in, we read Second Thessalonians, Gary. Um, and, and so I, I, and so now Paul has had this this incredible this incredible uh, uh uh movement he instigates this incredible movement and it's it's amazing because um I know my wife's on here hey babe take the screenshots okay um if please take it for me so I can check it out this incredible movement but then Paul goes and it really speaks into what happened um, in the United States, we had the Billy Grahams of the world who came in and I mean, they were just powerful revival movements, powerful uh, uh, movements. We're talking about thousands of people just coming together to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. And these thousands would would come to faith in Jesus, and we we know the stories. And then you had the other great evangelists. Um, you had the Oral Roberts, right? These great evangelists who were gifted, gifted to create movements. You had the Luis Palau's, who was probably the most recent uh, uh, one. And so you had all these evangelists, I'm, and I'm talking about within the context of the United States. So I'm sorry, uh, I know I'm speaking to a whole audience here. But there are also these movements happening all around the world where these gifted uh, men and women of God um, preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and many people came to faith through this incredible move of the Spirit. But these people were gifted as apostles and evangelists. But then what do we do after? Right? Churches were birthed out of this. Um, ministries are birthed out of this. This is, I mean, Billy Graham's legacy is going to go for generation upon generation. And yet, here we are now, two decades later. We don't have and we don't see now the same fire that we saw before. We don't see the same energy and the same power because what happened was, is we had movements. We had uh, a few pastors who helped shepherd it, but we did not have that great voice anymore. And because that voice was gone, 
now people are kind of just riding off the videos. They're riding off the audio. They're riding off of what was. They're riding off of what had happened. The Thessalonians, Paul was their Billy Graham. Paul was their Billy Graham. He came in and thousands came to faith in Jesus Christ and this church was birthed and they became this movement. But Paul didn't stay in the city. Paul was gone. Paul moved on to Athens. And so when he moves on to Athens now, we're left cultivating a moment. And I think the travesty in this is that many of us came to faith in Jesus through some of these revival movements. And I'm just speaking into a generation because now, so I'm speaking into, thank you, Lord. I, I, the Lord is just leading this conversation right now. I, I just, man, God is good. Um, there are those who came, uh, you know, the, the, the boomers, right? The Gen Xers. Um, came out of that Billy Graham movement and churches were birthed out of that Billy Graham movement. Um, people came to faith out of that Billy Graham movement. But then we kind of stayed here. And there was this sense, even within that movement of, you know, let's disciple these Christians. Let's teach the Bible. Let's, let's you know, preach for Jesus but then something just started to fade. That power started to fade. If I could just be real, just let me be real, fam. The power started to fade. The, the energy started to fade. The, all of it just started to fade, fade, fade. Because you cannot birth off of a moment and cultivate and grow off of a moment. And I think what happened was, is we gave the Christians and the new Christians a moment. But then we just sat there waiting for the next moment. When is Billy Graham coming back? When is Luis Palau coming back? When are these great revivalists coming back? When are we going to see the power of God? Oh, yeah, Teresa, we're going to talk about that. And what happened was, is, is these people were feeding off of an experience, but not realizing that they are, in part, the partakers of the movement. That Billy Graham, should, he, he lit a match, but we're all matches that have the same fire that if we just touch that fire, we would all have that fire with us as well. And that we would be the move of God along with an anointed Billy Graham, with um, Paul Washer, with an anointed. So we had all these evangelists, but we didn't take it any further. And so now we get stuck on doctrine we get stuck on ideology. We get stuck on, you know, talking about what the Bible says. We get stuck on apologetics. We sit around arguing with unbelievers about the logic of faith. We sit around talking about and defending faith and sometimes using it in an offensive way. 
And we've made a move of God now an intellectual endeavor. And because it's an intellectual endeavor, now we let doctrines drive the movement. We let doctrines drive movements. We let people drive movements. We let ideologies drive movements. We let cultural philosophies drive movements. We let, and so now it's not a move of God, it's a move of man. It's not a move of God anymore, it's a move of ideas and now we create our own little silos we have this type of denomination and that denomination and this denomination and that and so we have we have this breadth and this wide range of people who have thinking that god moves through doctrine ooh i'm about to say something that's really uncomfortable god does not move through good doctrine the scriptures tell us that the kingdom of god is not in word, but it's in power. The kingdom of God is not in the words we say, but it's in the demonstration of the power of God. When Paul moved with power, you have to understand the reason why his words had weight is because there was a demonstration of power with it. And we wonder why the church is losing relevance today. The church is losing relevance because the church is not moving in the demonstration of power. So we see a Billy Graham and we go, man, what an anointed man of God. But now that you've received the message, who are you healing? Who are you delivering? Who are you setting free? Or are you just now a needy Christian who just needs to be fed by the word, dependent on the word? Or are you now the written epistle? That's what Paul said in the scriptures, right? He said, and you are the written epistle. There isn't demonstration anymore. We don't see a demonstration of the power of God. And so because now, I'm getting, I'm going somewhere, fam. And because now we have no demonstration of power, we're stuck on ideas. And we're easily swayed by theologies. We're easily swayed by doctrines. We're easily swayed by, by personalities. So-and-so said this, and this person said this, and that person said this, and, and no, but so-and-so said that, and we should listen to what he said, and no, but, but didn't she preach on that? But no, she shouldn't be preaching because the Bible says this, and the Bible says this about women, women preachers, and, and no, but the Bible says that, and what about the Bible saying this? And what about the Bible saying that? And now we're having Bible debates and Bible arguments. No power. No power. And we get swayed. We get swayed. Because the one thing that unifies is a move of God. The one thing that unifies is the demonstration of the power of God. And the greatest apologetic is seeing someone healed. <laughs> the greatest apologetic is seeing someone delivered. The greatest apologetic is seeing someone restored. The greatest apologetic is seeing a marriage come back together. The greatest apologetic is seeing. And here's the thing, fam. Here's the thing now. And I'm going somewhere. Okay. I'm not, I'm going somewhere. The Lord is just leading me. So let me go there. Paul knows this. When Paul wrote the first letter, he was encouraging them because these people they didn't get a lot of Paul. Paul took off. He left the city. He's, he's all over the place. 
And so he writes a letter. But then Paul now, in 2 Thessalonians, Paul is dealing with uh, the fact that these people, they're not demonstrating the power of God. They're more attuned to doctrines and ideas, particularly speaking on the doctrine of the coming of Jesus Christ. In the end times, they were fixated. I'm going, I'm going somewhere, fam. They were fixated on the end times. They were, they were, they were so fixated on the end times that it became all they talked about. You know, when God isn't, if you allow me to preach for a second, if God isn't moving in a city, and if God isn't moving in a church, the church has no option now but to look somewhere other than what's within it. And these people weren't seeing a demonstration of God. And because they weren't seeing the demonstration of God, they became inured by the doctrines of personalities. So a bunch of men would sit around writing these letters. And, and in these letters, they would say, they would give new doctrines of, 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 of the end times. And these doctrines of the end times swayed them. They had all types of different doctrines of, of end times. And, and, and so Paul felt it necessary to write this letter to reorient his people. To reorient the children of God. Thank you, God, for this word. God knows I couldn't make this up myself. Reorienting the people of God. And in the process of reorienting the people of God, Paul is reinstituting what the doctrine, um, um, what they should be paying attention to. You see, Paul was bringing clarity to the fact that you're worried about the end times. And what Paul is saying, and ready fam, we're about to say it here. What Paul is saying to the church then, and I believe it's speaking to our church now is, is we are too concerned about the end times. Paul is revealing to them, you're concerned about the end times, but the, but the, but the man of sin, the son of perdition has not even arrived yet. He's telling them the son of perdition hasn't arrived yet. And yet you're being deceived by all these people who are preaching to you about the end times, the end times, the end times. Maybe the reason why you're so focused on the end times is because you see nothing happening here. And what Paul is saying is you're spending all this time looking up. Ah, when you should be looking around. Paul is saying, the end times will come, but it's not here. <laughs> oh, please catch what I'm saying, because sometimes people read this and they only read the sliver of the verse, but read the spirit of the letter. We miss the spirit of the letter. The spirit of the letter is Paul is addressing the fact that you are so inured by all the different doctrines of the end times and all the stuff. Listen, don't worry about the end times because he says the son of perdition has not yet arrived. However, you are still here. And if you're still here, get your act together. He's saying, you're still here. And I know you haven't seen a demonstration, but that's what you need to become. He's saying, instead of looking up, look around. Stop looking up, but look around. There's one song um, that, and I know I might, I might offend somebody. I might step on some toes. But there's a song I grew up hearing all the time 
And the more I hear it now, the more it just kind of just annoys me. One glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. I'll fly away. Oh, and I used to, I used to go, okay, I see it. And everyone would sing the song joyfully, anticipating flying away. But the more I read the scripture, Paul is saying, stop looking up. Stop waiting to fly away. Stop waiting to be taken up into heaven when you've got a city to bring the kingdom to. It didn't say the kingdom goes. <laughs> the scriptures tell us his kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom is not something we wait to be taken to. The kingdom is something we bring down. I know this sounds different. But Paul is trying to reorient these people to tell these people, stop worrying about flying up. Stop worrying about the end times. I know you're going through persecution. I know you're going through suffering. I know you're going through pain. I know life isn't good for you. And I know it's your faith. I know your faith is causing all kinds of persecution. But don't wait for this the, the, to be taken away and stop looking for Satan. Stop giving Satan so much power. Satan has no power. He has no victory. Satan has already lost it. We already have the victory. There's no, why are you so worried and concerned about the devil? We are so worried about the devil. We are so worried about Satan. We're so worried about what Satan is doing. We're so worried about how Satan is working. Since when did we give Satan so much credit? Since when? Since when did we give the devil so much power? Everything that's happening in the world is because of the devil. And the devil is doing this to you. And the devil is doing this. Do you not have authority? Do you not have power? Has he not given you authority? It doesn't mean saying it at work, but you think that you, you, you think that the devil has you beat? The devil has you defeated? Or is God in control? Is God not king? Does he still does he not sit on the throne? We glorify the devil too much. We give the devil too much credit. The devil's trying to mess up my marriage. You're giving the devil too much credit. The demons, man, the demons, that you're giving the demons too much credit. And these people are so busy looking up that they're not looking around. Ah. Second Thessalonians 2, the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power signs and lying wonders. He says that he will come with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of truth that they might be saved. That's another word for another day. But get ready for this family. Ready? Get ready for this family. You don't need to worry about him. You need to be the church. Stop fixating you, fixating yourself 
on the doctrines of the end times. It's what Paul's doing. Paul's trying to pull them away from the doctrines of, from all these different doctrines of the end times and how things are going to end. Why are you worried about the end times when we're still here today? So he says to them, instead of worrying about what's up, what's going to come, anticipate something greater that is to come, because what's greater is the establishing of the kingdom of God. We know how this story ends. So why are we so worried about the rapture and the end times? And we're so worried and we're so consumed by it. But my goodness, guys, we know how this story ends. This ends with Jesus seated on the throne. This ends with a new heaven and a new earth. We know the way this ends. This ends with Jesus winning the battle. Jesus has already won. This ends with Jesus winning. So why are we stressed? You know that movie you watched? The first time you watched it, you were in all kind of tension because you weren't sure how it was going to end. But then once you knew how it ended, the next time you watched it, you just enjoy being in it. You enjoy the story. Are you hearing me? We are so fixated on looking up that we become no earthly good. We become so heavenly minded that we become no earthly good. We preach things like we are not of the world and we silo, we're, we're not in the world. No, we are in the world. We're just not of the world. But we're still in the world. How do you become salt if you stay in the salt shaker? How do you become a light if you've got a, 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 a whatchamacallit, covering the light? Why is it that we have to hide? We're not here to hide. We're here to let our light shine before men that they may see his good works. And yet we're sitting there hiding in boxes and waiting to be flown away. That's what cults do. That's not what Christians do. Cults sit in boxes and sing songs waiting to be taken away to heaven. Christians leave the box. Christians leave the box. They go about. They go to all the places. They go to the marketplace. They go to the city. They go to hospitals. They pray for the sick. They pray for healing. They don't stay inside. What use are you as salt if you stay inside the salt shaker? And so what Paul is saying here to the Thessalonians is he's saying, you're so busy preaching about end times and you're so fixated on the end times that you forgot that you're in the right now time. He's like, you're waiting. You're so fixated on the future and what's about to come that you forgot that you're here. You're still here. <laughs> and if you're still here, do what you're supposed to do while you're here. Oh, and then Paul convicts us. This is the conviction family. Man, I'm sorry. I'm ranting. I know I'm ranting. I know I'm ranting. But this is the conviction. This is the conviction. That's what you guys came here for, right? Read and rant. So let me rant. This is the conviction. Paul says, the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. We don't even need to worry about those things. But the but the but the devil's coming and he's gonna he, there's gonna be tribulation and there's gonna be all Paul says right here in verse three. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. If you're afraid of the devil, the question is now: Are you are you a child of God? 
Since when did we, since when did we have fear of the devil and fear of demons and fear of evil spirits, unless we don't have the authority that God has given us? And what Paul implies here on the issue of being too heavenly minded, watch this family, watch this family, watch this. When you are too heavenly minded and you look up too much and you don't look around enough, you become useless for society. You know, they say that the church is irrelevant today. Non-believers say the church is irrelevant today. Notice that. That's sad. That's sad. The travesty is not that people don't like the church. The travesty is people don't even feel like the church is even relevant. Relevant means that you're not even worth disliking. <laughs> you're not even worth hating on. We're, we're, we're so irrelevant, we could just be ignored. We're not even worth paying attention to because we're so heavenly minded. I'm ranting, I'm sorry. And because we're so heavenly minded, look at what Paul says here. Paul is implying in the next part as he closes the chapter, he says, if, if, if what I'm saying is true, if what I'm saying is true, Paul is saying then, stop being lazy. First, that's second, second Thessalonians 3, he closes with, stop being lazy. He says in verse 8, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not become a burden to any of you. Ready for this? Christians who are too fixated on heaven and not on what's going on in their mission on earth become lazy. I'm sorry, I love you all, but I got to say it with, with, with all seriousness because the irrelevance of the church comes out of the church's laziness. And I'm not talking about just laziness like we don't pray enough. No, these people might have been praying a lot. I'm talking about a different kind of laziness. I'm talking about the laziness that says, you know, God's coming anyway, so why start why, why start this initiative? Or God, God's coming anyway, so why work? I mean, there's no need to work. Let's just wait on God. That's what cults do. That's not you know what cults do? Cults you, cults make you apathetic to what's going on around you. Cults make you um, cults make you disinterested in what's happening around you. When the mission of God makes you makes you infinitely concerned with what's going on around you. When you see injustice, you become concerned about that. When you see pain, you become concerned about that. When you see hunger, you become concerned about that. When you see uh, um, um, depression and anxiety, you become concerned about that. When you see um, what's going on in the world and, and all the tumult, you are concerned about that because you are still in the world. You're just not of it. And yes, he says, work hard. Whatever you do, work hard. He's establishing your work. If he's giving you a job, do it well. Do it well. You know, one of the saddest things is to see a, cra a lazy Christian. Paul is talking to them saying, you are so idle. And Paul's like, even us, we're preaching the gospel and we still got a job. 
We're preaching the gospel and we still have our businesses. Paul was still making tens. He still had his own businesses, his own institutions, his own things. No, but Christians that are heavenly minded and overly heavenly minded, you know, they're just, they're just waiting on Jesus to come. So Jesus just come and take us away from this horrible earth that has all this brokenness and sin. And God's like, my plan wasn't to leave, to pull you away from this earth. My plan was to reestablish this earth. And then in verse 30, he says, for even when we were with you, we commanded you this. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. How about that? Paul is saying, Paul is saying, that's how he closes the letter. That beautiful introduction leads us here. Paul is saying, you guys are lazy. You're lazy. You're not working because you're overly heavenly minded. Ah, but when you know that what's about to come is not your concern, but rather what's happening right now. I'm bringing it back now. It's not what's about to come that's your concern. It's what's happening right now. And if, and if what's happening right now is your primary concern, then bring Jesus everywhere you go. If you're an entrepreneur, bring Jesus there. If you're a doctor, bring Jesus there. If you're a lawyer, bring Jesus with you. That's your mission. If you're a baker, bring Jesus with you. If you're, if you're working at McDonald's, bring Jesus with you. If you're, wherever you go, be the hand and feet of Jesus everywhere you go. If you're an investor, bring Jesus with you. If you're an entrepreneur, bring Jesus with you. You see where I'm going with this. If you're a, a tech expert, bring Jesus with you. If you're an educator, bring Jesus with you. If you're if you're a, if you're if you're a, um, um, a researcher, bring Jesus with you. If you're a scientist, bring Jesus with you. If you go to outer space, take Jesus with you. You are called to be on mission with God right now. Stop worrying about what's to come. Stop being so heavenly minded that you are no earthly good. And that's why he says in verse 13, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good. He's not just talking about praying for people and he's talking about your job. He's talking about, he's talking about um, where you work. He's talking about the work you do. He's talking about how you father your children. He's talking about all of that. <laughs> That's the word of conviction. He says, do not grow weary. Christy, we want to pray for you. Yes, we're tired. We're tired, but we can cast our burdens on Jesus. We can cast our burdens on Jesus. Um... I'm going to close. I hope this was encouraging to you. I know it's convicting, but it should be encouraging to you because here's the thing. Jesus told uh, the disciples, he said, I send you as sheep among wolves. And for most of us, we would say, why would he do that? Why would a God who loves us send us as sheep among wolves? This world 
is hard. This world is, why would he send me as sheep among wolves? Well, he's sending you as sheep among wolves because he's your shepherd. He's not sending you without going with you. He's not sending you without going with you. He is the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me to the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup runneth over. And he makes this promise. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He sends you as sheep among wolves because your shepherd is with you. So go. Go ye therefore and make disciples. Disciples.